What's up, coaches? Uh, we are getting closer to football offseason. Just had graduation uh, this week at Broken Arrow, and uh, spring ball starts next week, next Tuesday. So excited for that. Uh, going through all of our old cut-ups, going through uh, runthepower.com. Uh, if you guys are trying to get ready for spring ball and need some last-second anything, uh, you can always email us, coach at runthepower.com. Uh, go check out everything we've got on our website for you guys uh, with the podcast, standard membership, premium membership videos. Um, we'll be adding another long handoffs where Coach Walls breaks down some college pass games here in the next week. And so uh, really excited about all the stuff we can help you guys out with. And then also um, everything you guys do for us. Thank you. Um, and so just wanted to say thanks again. And anything you guys need, go check out, check us out at our website. This episode of RTP is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute is offering a spring ball special exclusively for our RTP subscribers. Between now and April 15th, the first eight subscribers of Run the Power who purchase a GoRoute system will be eligible to receive a $700 discount off their package or receive two additional units added to their package at no cost. All right, a $700 value. To take advantage of GoRoute Spring Ball Special, go to GoRoute.com and request a, qu- request a quote using the promo code RUNPOWER19 in the comments section. Okay, so again, uh, go to GoRoute.com, request a quote, and in the comments section, uh, enter the promo code RUNPOWER19. Uh, you guys can learn more at GoRoute.com, uh, email sales at GoRoute.com, or give them a call at 866-777-1448. Just mention us or run Power 19 uh, to get your discount uh, of $700. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com at info at sidelinepower.com by email or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, And they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, Go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Brad Widger. Coach Widger is the offensive line coach at Shiloh Christian High School in Springdale, Arkansas. Listen as we talk with Coach Widger about his coaching journey through Oklahoma and Arkansas, the benefits of wrestling on the offensive line, and some O-line technique and philosophy. You can follow Coach Widger on Twitter at bwidger64. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, I'm 37, and I uh, went to Muskogee High School in uh, in Muskogee, Oklahoma, and got to play there for uh, Ron Freeman for two years. Uh, that was that was pretty awesome. And then uh, my uh, second two years, Tony Peters came in and uh, got to have two great offensive line coaches there uh, that really poured into me in Ron Freeman and Kurt Denton. Out of there, I went to got recruited at East Central University in Ada, Oklahoma. Uh, went there and redshirted a year and started for four years straight, 44 straight games, and, and got to play for uh, two head coaches there. And both of them were also my offensive line coaches. Uh, great, great coaches, great men. Uh, kind of taught me really that I wanted to be a coach. And 
it was an unbelievable experience. And coming out of college, we uh, searching for a job and and uh, not really having very much luck, and fell into one in in Lawton, Oklahoma. Kind of a uh, teammate was moving up to the high school, and there was a junior high job there. And my wife was gonna have our son in in July, and I needed a job bad, so I took that junior high job for a year. And then uh, the second year of coaching, I, I got to move up to uh, Lawton High School and was there for about 10 years and decided to make the change over to Arkansas and have been here at Shiloh Christian for the last three. Uh, in my journey of football, I've had three offensive line coaches of my five in high school and college that were the head coach at the same time. And uh, one of my other offensive line coaches, I ended up being a head coach. So I've really had some great coaches uh, pour into me. And and uh, that's the reason I wanted to get back and knew I wanted to coach. Coach, when you were at Lawton, uh, and I don't know which Lawton he was at, but I had a college teammate, uh, Adrian McDonald. He was a safety at one of the Lawtons. Uh, uh, I was at Lawton High. Uh, okay, he might have been at I. Yes. Adrian McDonald was uh, he was a quarterback for Lawton Eisenhower. He uh, one of oh, the there's three schools there: Lawton, Lawton Ike, Lawton Mac, and Lawton High. Yeah, he was a quarterback that played against us. He's a great athlete. He ran their system really well. He played safety for you guys, though, right? Yeah, played safety in college, uh, and and went on yep. and played I think for the Chargers or or someone for a few years. Might still be. Uh, I think he's now uh, a GA at Texas State. Really, I just saw that. Yeah, so uh, kind of, kind of a crazy, kind of a small world. I didn't realize that that uh, you'd been at Lawton, and for whatever reason, I can't believe I even remember he was at Lawton. But uh, when you're when you're out of state yeah. and you get a couple other Oklahoma kids on the team, uh, you gravitate and make sure you know those kids. All the Texas kids uh, yeah. always made fun of the Oklahoma kids because uh, you always knew who was from Oklahoma, even the coaches. Yeah, I was glad to see he got an opportunity. He, he was a great high school player, and, and uh, you know, I think he wanted to be a quarterback, but at his height, uh, he wasn't really getting very many opportunities. And when he got to go to Houston uh, and uh, play there early, uh, I was happy for him. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, quite a few of your offensive line coaches were also head coaches. Uh, could you ever see yourself being able to do that, be a head coach and an offensive line coach? Because – um, uh, my dad does it. He does it at a smaller school, at a 3A school. But, um, man, it's just so much to do uh, being a head coach and then also a, an offensive line coach on top of that. Man, I, I really don't think I could see myself doing it. Um, <laughs> but if I had to, you know, just seeing how they did it uh, and, uh, and having great relationships with them uh, would definitely be some, uh, some experience to look back on. But no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe doing it. And uh, you got to really trust the guys around you, hmm. your offensive coordinator, your receivers coach, because when you're down there, you know, in the pit, and you're you're working your linemen, you got to know that you know up, up on the top end that they're they're doing things right up there. Uh, right. So I think you got to have a lot, maybe even more trust as a, as a head coach that's doing the O line in the rest of your staff than than. Uh, any other any other coach in, in a different situation yeah exactly same thing with the defense too I mean you pretty much you know I mean you might you obviously going to see him an inside run and see him in some of the drill work but you know same kind of deal if you don't have that ability to, to walk around you know hopefully you got a yeah. that's got a pretty good pulse on what the defense is doing as well absolutely and and something that uh, was great about those guys is they had quality assistants or GAs that uh, they also trusted and they were always guys that had played for them and they knew would do it how they wanted it if they had to be gone you know and up watching the, the skill guys and I I kind of took that and I always <clears throat> tried to get a kid that um, would volunteer for us that played for me to help me out and be an assistant and uh, I picked some good ones and, and it, it's really worked out for them I think I have close to maybe 10 former players of mine that have ended up going into coaching, uh, including uh, the guy who's the uh, offensive line coach at Lawton High right now. Uh, I just loved having guys that played for me, knew my system, knew how I wanted it done, 
And uh, even though they may not be full-time coaches, they might still be in school and just volunteers, I could trust them to do it the way that uh, they were taught. How awesome is that? I, I would assume, and, and I, haven't, I haven't been in the game enough yet to to been able to experience that, but um, what, what is it like, maybe from both of you coaches, because I'm sure you've both gone through it, but um, what is that like to compared to seeing a kid play? Uh, you know, obviously you see, your, you see a kid go from a sophomore to a senior, then you're very proud of them after their senior year because of how much they've grown and, and the, the, you know, the young man they've, they've become. Uh, but then to see, you know, them walk in kind of your footsteps and want to become a coach and then see them grow as a coach, is that, is that very similar to watching them grow as a player? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like a, you know, a father-son type of role because I got into coaching because my coaches and primarily my offensive line coaches meant so much to me. You know, I grew up a hard life and, and they were my father figures and they were what I wanted to be. I wanted to give back and, and inspire kids like, like they inspired me. And when I had an opportunity to have a few kids come back and, and uh, be volunteers for us, uh, I always took them and I always mentored them and, and wanted them, you know, to be as good as they could. And uh, one kid that Adam Castro, he's the offensive line coach right now at Lawton High where, where I was, um, you know, as, as a sophomore, he was that 180 pound lineman who you thought if he ever gets on the field, we are going to be terrible. But you know, I remember pulling him in and telling him, you can help this program. I mean, one day, if you work your butt off, you can help this program. And uh, and he did. He actually was our team captain as a senior and, wow. and ended up being a heck of a player because of the work he put in. Got a college scholarship to play at OBU uh, there in Oklahoma. And uh, he went there for that one year. And he called me. He said, I, I just I can't do it. I don't like it. I don't want to be playing anymore. Uh, can I come back, go to Cameron, and coach with you? I said, absolutely. We'll take you as much as you want to help us out. That would be awesome. And that first year, he volunteered for us. It was his second year in college. And uh, by that, by that uh, second year he volunteered for, uh, he was with us, uh, he was such an instrumental part of our team that uh, our head coach put him on as a, a full-time paid assistant, even though he's still in college. Uh, he wasn't even doing his, his student teaching yet. So whenever uh, – I left, he still had at least a year left of school, uh, but he was still be, he was being paid as a coach. And I told the head coach, I said, I know that you want a full-time guy in the building uh, as your offensive line coach, but I'm telling you, you've got to make this guy the man. He, you're going to have to struggle for a year with his, his college courses, but uh, he's the guy you want, and, and I'll back him uh, any day. And, and he, took, he took it. He, he uh, made him the full-time offensive line coach when he's still in college, and, uh, and it worked out. He's been there for three years now, and, and he's got it rolling. I'm really proud of him. And, and I mean, it's like a father-son relationship to see where he came from as a young kid to where he is now. Yeah, to me, that's the some of the coolest stuff. I mean, you you love every single player you have, but the ones that go on and, and continue the profession that you're doing, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of a special bond there because, you know, we, we talk about all the time, and you know, you've talked about coaches pouring into you, and we're pouring into them, and that, that just becomes the way we pay it forward. And, you know, and you, and you want to yeah. see that, that kind of roll on for, for posterity, and you know, not ever stop because we want this game to, to continue to grow. To, to me, those are the, the fun stories. And, and it just, yeah. it's, it's so cool to hear you, I mean, you know, talk about, you know, taking this guy and just walking him through it and giving him the education he wanted. And he didn't have to go get, you know, the, the, the yeah. college degree or the college experience. The kid had a passion to coach. And you can, you mm -hmm. can smell that from two miles away. When, when somebody wants it that hard, you're like, okay, cool. What, what do you need? Let's go. Yeah, it's his story that, you know, kept me even here uh, asking guys that were graduating if they could just come back whenever they could to just help us out. You know, you, you they were on the field for a year and they might be able to just tell a kid one thing at one practice 
that's going to be better than what I could tell him. And uh, after that first year I was here, I asked two kids that were going to go to the U of A, which is right down the road, to come back and help us. And, and they jumped on it. They were excited. Uh, and they and they did it. And one of them uh, has actually went on. Uh, he said, Coach, I, I'm going to have to leave you. I can't volunteer for you next year uh, because I've I've applied for a GA job at uh, at the U of A, and he got accepted. So he's he's in their recruiting department now, and he's his hopes are to one day be their offensive line GA and get into the call the you know the D1 college game. And that second one after my first year here that came and volunteered with us, he uh, ended up having to move because his parents went to, to Texas to, for a job. And he, he was just a college student, so he had to follow them. He didn't have the money. And uh, he got in with a uh, church down there, and his mom was a principal and just kind of met the coaches that were affiliated with the church school down there. And they asked him to be the, the film guy. And he said, yeah, I might as well. Uh, Coach Widger taught me a lot about film and stuff like this. And in about three weeks after having conversations with the OC there, they asked him to be the full-time offensive line coach. And he's only 20 <laughs> years old at uh, at Cornerstone in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I love that. I love that idea. And I've, and I can't believe I've, I've probably never thought of it, but so, so what do you, when you do get a kid to say, yeah, coach, I'd love, you know, I'm going to college right down the road. I'd love to come by and, and every time I can and, and help you out. What are some things that you have those guys do or, or what are you, what are you looking to use those guys for at practice? Because obviously they're not around every practice and, and I'm sure it's not, game plan stuff it's more you know on the field practice stuff so what do you try to do with those guys to to maximize the you know their help with the program uh, group work you know uh one of the the kid that's at the u of a right now he was a center uh so i could uh get him to take the centers and guards while i was with the tackles or if i had a young kid that was struggling with uh, snapping he would take him one-on-one -on -one for half a practice and, and get his snaps ready uh, the other guy that's at uh, at uh, Cornerstone in San Antonio, he was a tackle for us. And, you know, if I'm working with guards and centers, I can trust that he can work, you know, scoop, scoop hinge uh, with our tackles the way that I taught him. Uh, and, you know, it's the only way he knows is the way I taught him. So uh, I know he's going to get it done, done the right way. And when you can empower a kid like that to take a group of guys that maybe he just got done playing with and uh, and really, really make them better, show that he the work he's doing with them and making, making them better, uh, it can only make your team better because the young guys see that, you know, coach is willing to let guys come back. And I better learn it now because if I get that opportunity, it's going to be in my hands someday to teach the young guys how to do it right. And not only that, but when you have that guy coaching them, the seniors that, that they just played with, those seniors will coach the freshmen. And then when you've got a whole offensive line group that is coaching each other uh, every day, every down, you're, you're going to get better no matter what. That's when it's really, really cool. I, I'm, and, and you get a new batch of freshmen – and and the you know the word from 20 years ago was everyone's always rude to the freshmen and but it's really cool to see that new group of freshmen come in and you see your older guys that have started for two or three years and they're giving them little temp little tips or little hints and and helping them along and, and it's always really really fun to watch that yeah yeah it is it's uh it makes you proud as a coach like i said it's like a, a father type thing uh and you know, I, I, I've been lucky enough to have uh, almost every year uh, a former player come back and either be a, uh, you know, as much as he can, or he might be at every practice. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I would suggest it to a, a lot of people. Coach, I know that uh, Nick Nelson worked with you at, uh, at Lawton, and, and you've been up here at, at Ankeny before, and we, we've met. Um, and he talks a lot about the, some of the, the, the things that he learned from Coach Breeze down at Lawton. What was it like, you know, working down there with him and, and being in a, a big-time program like that and, and, and not only being in a big-time program, but having some, some super athletes to work with? Uh, it was great. Uh, you know, 
he he's a, a phenomenal coach and he's great at letting you do your job not micromanaging you and and being just a role model you know he's cool calm and collected uh he runs a program uh like like a ceo uh he he's he's the figurehead of the program he uh I don't know. He means he means a lot to me. He gave me my first start, uh, my first year to coach uh, high school football was the year that he got the head coaching job, and uh, just to sit back and and learn how and watch how he runs a program, um, because he's he's been there at the same school for forty years and was the head coach for ten years. Uh, there's not anything that he doesn't know about that town, that school, and. Uh, and the kids in that program, the type of kid in that town, um, he's just a wealth of knowledge uh, along with a great friend. I mean, he'd give you the shirt off his back and, and he's a guy that even though I left and and uh, um, there was no hard feelings and he'll be a friend of mine for life. I could call him anytime, any day, and he'd be there for me no matter what. So, Coach, being an offensive line, uh, offensive line coach, obviously everyone kind of likes to have their their bread and butter, if you will, you know, run scheme. Uh, what has your guys has been the, these past several years? What have, what have you guys tried to hang your hat on, or or even you know your your day one? Hey, we're going to be make sure we're good at this, and then we can build off of this uh, for you guys. Um, here at Charlotte, we we run a multiple offense, and, and so we we run a lot of schemes uh but you know i think our base number one scheme so what we're going to work on day one uh is inside and outside zone uh you know we're going to dabble in in counter uh and encounter tray uh two back counter and, and power two back power one back power uh buck sweep um but i think where we're where we hang our hat uh year in and year out here is going to be inside and outside zone now at Lawton High, um, it's going to be inside outside zone and counter. Um, mm -hmm. They are ninety percent under center, hundred percent eleven. Well, ninety percent eleven personnel, and uh, they're going to run outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, and then run some inside zone and come back with with counter week in uh, in tray. Uh, so I've really both places. I would say. Uh, Inside zone, outside zone, uh, zone schemes are, are where I like to hang my hat and what I like to run the most. So when you practice those, then coach, I assume you know obviously the the footwork's going to be important, but you you probably spend most of your time then working combinations. Oh yeah, absolutely. We we uh, have a drill progression of our footwork uh, that that is taught from day one and. Uh, it, it never changes, and our kids could do it on their own. Uh, we really hang our hat on the footwork and the body placement. Uh, but, yes, yeah, secondly, we work our combos uh, almost daily, and, uh, and that's where, where we get a lot of our great work uh, is in our combos, our combo stuff. That's, that's uh, the, the combos on the backside. Because for, for us, we run inside zone, but our inside zone's mm -hmm. like uh, – you know, front side A maybe, but probably going to be backside A, B, C. Uh, and so uh, the toughest part, at least for my guys, it seems like, is is being patient enough on the backside double teams to trust that the running back is going to hit it backside A probably. You know, and, and, and you know, if they get a linebacker that wants to really flow hard, not chasing that guy immediately, but – trusting that if we stay on that double team, that the, the tailback will bring them to us. And so um, that's one of the things that we've got to rep a bunch with inside zone. Uh, and and we got better at it this year, but uh, it's something that is one of those rep things that we had to do a bunch in practice because we weren't very good at it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, the backside can, can make or break the play. I and mean, that's what I tell those guys uh, – if we're not going to get cut off and get vertical uh, and win win vertically with cutoff, uh, we've at least got to get push and and press it by so that we can create that that backside uh, cutback. Uh, we love to find different ways here, week to week game plan ways that we can 
uh, either base the backside end or we started dabbling in some backside fold stuff this year. Mm. Some things that can really, really set uh, that backside uh, three or that backside five and get vertical push so that we can we can create that backside cutback lane. Uh, and at Lawton High, uh, having some of the uh, best athletes in the state that you're handing off to every single down, every single year, um, if you can really set that backside combo and and make sure that it doesn't get across your face, uh, those, those backside cuts can be the, the gashers that you're looking for. Coach, when you guys do some of the, the fold scuff on the backside, are, are you allowing the, the offensive line to kind of have some autonomy with the call, or is that something that you're kind of building into the call? Oh, absolutely. I, I love letting them um, make it their own, and, and uh, I'll give them situations. I'll give them, uh, this is when we want to do it. Uh, this is when we don't, gonna, we're not going to do it this week uh, based on this front. Uh, and hey, this kid, uh, when he's a backside three, he's too good to be messing around with folding. We need to combo him. Uh, so we have some day one stuff that we teach him. We have some things where we know we're not going to be doing it, but I love uh, letting them mess with it themselves uh, and find find what's right. You know, you know, if if they <clears throat> do it one way early and it 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 sucked, it was terrible. We won't come back to it, uh, but. If uh, if they say, hey, coach, can we do it uh, this way next time we get this look? I say, yeah, let's give it a shot. Uh, or if they're working combo and he's splitting them every time and, and kicking their butt, uh, you know, the angles of a, of a fold uh, can be better. And uh, same thing with if you're going to use on the play side, uh, you know, fanning out versus an odd front, uh, you know, working out to the outside linebacker, whether we're going to, not count him, not block him, or if we're going to fan out to him. Uh, I love letting our guys do that on their own, having rules and, you know, say he's three by three, we're going to, we're going to do it. Maybe he's three by three, but not, but not showing. So we're not going to do it this time. We're not going to fan out on the play side. Uh, they, they love taking ownership in that. And whenever they can find the right combination or the right fold, that creates that backside cut or picks up that play side stunt. Uh, it really gives them a lot of confidence, and and you can really have kids in their in their week of of film prep. You know, tell those kids what situations are we going to use folds? Where did you find that on film? Uh, and and it really makes them look through that film because uh, it's going to be up to them. It's going to be on them whether they call the right call. So it can really help them want to study the film. Coach, you're talking about really, – go ahead. I, I learned that kind of the most, uh, or I heard it from giving your offensive line the, the, uh, the choice and the calls that they want and give them all these situations and let them do it on their own <clears throat> from Coach Montgomery at Bixby and listening to him talk about fold schemes and, and letting his line make those calls uh, is where I kind of cut loose and, and let those guys uh, start doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, uh, sorry, I got a kid walking in here. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. Learning that from coach Montgomery, uh, of letting his kids be in charge of that stuff really makes them, uh, you know, have a, have an ownership of it. And, uh, it can be pretty amazing, uh, when they do it. And here at Shiloh, we've got some extremely smart kids and, uh, even more than I give them credit for. And uh, they can put yourself in the right situation. And uh, times when I thought they should have done something different, I ask them why you didn't. And the answers they give me are exactly right. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta live with those uh, if they are wrong, but they have a good reason. Uh, and nothing makes exactly. me matter than, than a coach that kind of gives them a free reign, not free reign, but reign with principles and, and, they do it, but it didn't work out for them, and then they're mad at the kid because it just didn't work out that time. Uh, if you're going to give them that, that autonomy and, and let them make those calls, you've got to be okay with them maybe not making it perfect every time uh, as long as it's, it was done the right way. So uh, I think something that always 
something that we I always try to remember with my pulling guards. Um, you know, it, they're not always going to be perfect, but if they make the decision and they go full speed with it, that that sometimes as long as the majority of the time they hit it where we would like for them to, you got to live with it. But um, Walls going into Jinx, I think you guys were kind of backdooring Montgomery a little bit, and and um, I, I know you guys use that backside fold a bunch at Jinx, and then over at Broken Arrow when you came over. Yeah, we we'd done a bunch, and I know I'd, I'd actually I was laughing because I'd clinicked with with Lauren about it, and we we talked about it because we we'd hit him a few, and then he saw us do some of it in the in the uh, the state final game. The state final game, I think we ran when we, we beat Union. Um, we literally called two plays the whole game, and then when you when you sat and broke down the film, it looked like eight different plays. So like a lot of guys were asking me afterwards, like, you know, are you guys calling those folds? They're like, no, we're calling inside zone, and the kids are making the call. And then same thing with with one back power, we blocked it, you know, three or four different ways in that game too. But the kids, you know, like Coach Widger was saying, we had smart kids. You know, late in the season, they they knew everything like the back of their hand. I was I was literally just moving guys around. And I said, whatever you guys need to call, you guys call it. Um, my only rule was the, the only bad call, and I got it from Denver Johnson, the only bad call is no call. So if you guys make a call, yeah. we, we can block it with whatever call you make. You know, there might be one that's a little bit better than the other, but you guys have both said it. You live with it. And when you guys are all on the same page, you know, I've had many coaches say, hey, let's, let's go with the, the 50% right plan, but we're all bought in rather than the perfect plan, but only a half of us are bought in on it. So if the kids were all bought in on the call, it didn't matter. They, they yeah, took that's, ownership of it and lit it up. That's the only thing I stress is if I'm going to give them the option of doing what they want, they've got to communicate. And they can't just talk to the guy next to them. It has to be echoed throughout the line because you folding on the backside uh, may determine what has to happen on the play side or if a play side is going to fan out, uh, you can't just talk to the guy next to you. You got to echo that thing all the way down the line because it's going to change the combo of the next guys. And, and it's something that I harp on and stress that we have a, 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 a order and, and a way that we're going to start our play and make our calls. And it's not going to deviate. Now it's their choice, what calls they make, but, but we've, got to communicate or if you're not going to communicate I'm not going to give you the leniency to do what you want yeah it's like you know you get you, you make that out call on the front side and you're going to have to full zone it dude if we we're full zoning it you can't fold you know and you know don't yeah. argue with that that's that's the call that kind of trumps everything you know but like you said having that order and having that you know the the rules of it and as long as they're playing within the rules it's really fun to watch yeah, we have a series of zones here where we're going to go ahead and block the backside end, uh, base him or lock him, and you know do some yep. different things. Where we'll read the second or third level, and and it's it's a whole um, tag of, of of a bank of tag words that the backside tackle has to memorize. Uh, these are the times I'm going to lock him, and uh, he can't just assume that everybody else knows that if he's going to lock. He's got to tell everybody because what he's doing on the backside is going to force the play side into doing uh, some things. And if he doesn't communicate, he's going to mess the whole play up. Yeah, I like being able to have a bank of tags, like you say, because now you can kind of tag that on to a few different things. If, if you want to lock the backside and RPO the backside linebacker, um, you can go in and pull and give the tag, or you could go inside zone and, and give the tag. And nothing different to your offensive lineman as far as on the backside. You don't have to put in four different plays. It's just two different plays and one tag. Absolutely. You know, and you might have ten different names. It's still inside zone to the field or to the boundary for the offensive line with a with a backside lock. But each, each different name is a different uh, route combination RPO. You know, it's those receivers got to learn all that, all that, all that uh, hard stuff and memorization. <laughs> That's and right. You just got to know that. These these ten words mean we're we're zoning and locking instead of full zoning. Uh, so yeah, we do a lot of that, and uh, it works out well for us. Coach, do you do you um? I know you know folds for backside, but do you guys uh, pin pull at all on the front side of outside zone, or is that just more your buck sweep series? 
well, I've never been a uh, pin and pull uh, or, or pull to the from the play side or the front side on outside zone. We're, we're just full zone on outside zone. Uh, but yes, we will have a you know our buck sweep. We'll have our one back sweep. We'll have our our RPO sweep where where we are uh, pulling. Uh, and we'll have the day one stuff where we're trying to pull both guards. Uh, and then we'll have the different front variations with or without a tight end that allow us to change uh, who's going to pull and not just have just the, the guards pull. You know, if we have a center like we did this year, that was, uh, you know, a better puller than any of them. We'll try our best to find ways to pull the center. Uh, or if we had a guard this year that wasn't as good at pulling as our center and backside guard, we're going to pull our best two and, uh, and try to find the uh, the combination that that's best for us. So, you know, we don't uh, pin and pull on our outside zone, but we've got a lot of different series that we do uh, our pin and pull stuff with. Coach, I always like to ask the the O line coaches about you know their their thoughts on the RPO. I mean, how often do you find it where, like, man, I wish we would have handed that one off, or man, I wish we would have handed. Oh that man, one. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you got to take. <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad and you've got to have a uh, quarterback coach or an OC that doesn't mind you pointing out to the quarterback when he should have and when he shouldn't have. <laughs> That's right. Uh, sometimes you get in a good little, little argument uh, with, with the OC or quarterback coach and, but you know, you got to live with it and uh, you just got to hope that you can coach that quarterback enough that, uh, to make the, the right decisions. But uh uh, it can be it can be very very frustrating. Uh, we we developed a a call here, or they had it before I came here, and and I uh, I said we're going to start using this a lot more. We just we just added a tag to it that it may be an RPO play, but it's handoff handoff handoff. And, you know the receiver's running his RPO stuff, but we're handing it off no matter what, and. Uh, I signal here too, so every now and then, late in the game, I'll throw that tag on there to, the, to an RPO play <laughs> and uh, awesome. make sure that thing gets handed off. No That's matter right. Where. That's right. Well, I I used to be adamantly against RPOs because of that reason. I always felt like the majority of the time you should have handed the ball off anyways, and if we're running the ball well, then you should hand it off. But uh, now this year, after watching more and more North Dakota State, I would hate to have a you know make a living off of RPO. But I think if you can keep a defense honest with three of them a game, four of them a game, um, it, it's just so much more the defense has to look at. Just knowing that you have the ability and are willing to do it a few times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I came here, I. I had didn't know very much about it. I'd only we'd only had a maybe one or two plays in the last couple of years at Lawton High because you know we were we were very basic in our offense at Lawton High and, and we we did what we did and, and uh, we were we were good at a, at a few things. We were great at a few things, and if we were going to do an RPO, it may be once or twice a game. So I didn't really know a whole lot about it. But coming here, I learned. Uh, a whole lot about it and I uh, learned that it's not always just about finding the pass uh, we've made linebackers and safeties you know slow down and not fit as hard and maybe sit there in space when they would have been coming downhill hard uh, just because of the threat of passing it we might call an RPO and our quarterback knows in this situation there's maybe a 10% likelihood that you're going to actually throw it, but you've made that linebacker or second-level defender sit and play slower. Yeah, it's always a lot better. I mean, as, as you know, a guy that loves the run game, the, the more ways I can protect my run game and not have to, to block downhill linebackers all the time and not have to block safeties at, at six yards, you know, to, to me, it just, it just makes it a lot better. You know, if I, if I can get them – to play just a little bit honest and I can, I can give my tail back another one or two yards of space. Cause I, I know we can block them up front. That's when we start to really turn into those, those huge runs. And then you, know, you, you demoralize the defense a little bit more. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, that's when we really get to do our damage and our dirty work because we, we have tired them out and we can, we can lean on them a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
And you've also got to teach your line, uh, you know, when watching film and maybe you're on the sideline watching your uh, your huddle sideline that, you know, we, we got a one-yard loss right there, but that's that's the guy that we're not blocking. That's not on us. We, we're, uh, you know, he's the read guy. We know that we're, uh, we're not going to block him. <clears throat> so uh, even though he made the play, we can come back to it later on and it's going to gash him. Uh, and we're okay, even though it is a one-yard loss. Coach, on your outside zone, um, I'm 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 one of the one of the few coaches I think in America that it's not my favorite play. Um, uh, just and, and not that it's the wrong play. Just just I think that, like you said, it, you've got to be a you know, like you guys are very heavy inside and outside zone, and so you get to work outside zone a lot. And so I'm sure you guys are very good at outside zone where. Uh, we're going to be, you know, more uh, inside zone and, and gap scheme. So that's what we work more. But um, so I've never just been the biggest fan of outside zone because we don't have enough time uh, in the day, I don't think, to work it for our offense. But uh, one of the things that I always thought was was crucial was being able to get full speed outside zone reps in practice. Um, maybe that's wrong, but, but uh, if it is – not if it is, how do you guys get some more full speed type reps in practice? Um, is it just going full speed against your defense or uh, do you guys have certain drills that you like to go to for outside zone or, or how do you guys get those reps that, that are going to benefit you in the games? Well, the 10 years I was at Lawton High, uh, the entire offense was, was based around the outside zone stretch uh, in, in uh 11 personnel, you know, tray um, <clears throat> doubles or, or tight end doubles uh, and uh, and tight end three by one tight end. So we lived in it. It was everything we did. Everything day one was based on outside zone. Every run in the offense um, was going to look like outside zone in the backfield. Uh, so I really got a lot, lot of time, a lot of years uh, at getting – uh, good at it. Uh, so the work that we did there to get us more outside zone reps is we would do a perimeter drill uh, at least once a week and, and most likely twice a week where it was just 10 minutes. It was a half line. We'd go uh, center and uh, the tray side and center and then the, uh, the, uh, the double side the, the, without the tight end, the two receiver side. Mm-hmm. And that's where they got 90% of their outside zone reps. They didn't have to hit it in team because hmm. they're running anything to the perimeter, which was 90% of the time just outside zone, whether it's strong or whether it's weak, over and over and over and over. And it's, it's live reps. Uh, the, offensive, the offensive coordinator would stand behind the linebackers, and he's either calling outside zone, uh, fast screen, anything that's to the, to the perimeter. Uh, and then uh, the defensive coordinator standing behind the quarterback, calling the front. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it right, but that's something they believed in there uh, is a perimeter drill. And they're going to get <clears throat> most of their outside zone work there so they don't have to hit it in their 35 plays a team. Uh, they're, they're already going to get it done right there. Um, now, drill-wise, one of my favorite drills is something I got from – uh, from Nick Nelson, Nelson's dad, uh, Rick, mm-hmm. and it's it's my favorite drill. It it's uh, a competitive drill. It can kind of take the place of uh, of a bloody your nose uh, Oklahoma drill, where if you're a smaller roster team and you've uh, gotten some injuries in Oklahoma drill, this is something that can can really be a competitive drill. Uh, we line up just one offensive guy. I say set, and he gets to go outside zone whichever way he wants if it's uh if you're a right side player and you choose to go right we call that a reach if you're a right side player and you choose to go left we call that a backside scoop and he's got two defenders against him uh they are eye to eye uh they're almost shoe to shoe and he gets to choose which one he wants to outside zone reach or scoop and those defenders get to play the reach and get to play the down uh, so you got a three-man group, and it's just rep, rep, rep. We call it two-on-one reach scoop. We do it at least once a week. When I was at Lawton High, we did it at least twice a week for 10 minutes. And uh, it's you either 
you're going to have the offensive line is going to get the reach and win, or the defensive lineman is going to fight the reach and win. So you got a winner and a loser. And the guy that uh, the D lineman that uh, the play is going away from gets to work, uh, you know, backside. Uh, whether it's a D in working flat down the line or is a D tackle uh, grabbing the shoulder, grabbing the jersey and getting flat down the line. I think it's a great drill. Uh, that's where we would get most of our, our reach work, our live competitive uh, um, reach work uh, in that drill. Um, and it's, uh, it's, my, it's my favorite drill uh, that, that we can do. And uh, I'm actually building a tape right now I've been working on it before I talk to you guys. It's a drill that I'm going to talk about at a clinic on, in March. So it's uh, it's pretty good. That's awesome. That's exactly – that answer is my question exactly. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, you know, a good full-speed type drill, but like you said, that that's, that's going to take the place of maybe a bloody-your-nose drill uh, straight ahead, but we can still get some good full-speed reps. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, those D linemen can never get enough work uh, at fighting a reach and having correct footwork on a you know a down block or a block or a or a zone block that's going away from them. Uh, so we we love we loved it a lot, and I and, and our we love it here. Our D line coach, uh, anytime we get to work together, if we're not working combo stuff, he, he loves it too because he's get he gets two D linemen that get get a rep uh, every 15 seconds and uh, it's you can clearly have a winner and you can clearly have a loser uh, and uh, it's a phenomenal drill I love the I love both those drills too I you know I've, I've seen coach Nelson use that one a lot and you know I've, I've done some of the the reach drills as well and then when you're talking about the the half line I was lucky enough to to start coaching out in Colorado so I would go to as many Broncos practices as I could when, you know, they had Terrell Davis, uh, Alex Gibbs mm-hmm. was the, the line coach, and that was all they did. So, I mean, they, they only ran the wide zone, and they were all half line. Mm-hmm. Literally, I mean, just at the start of practice, they'd be in shoulder pads and shorts, and there wouldn't ever be a guy on the ground. So it would just be all reach left, reach right, reach left, reach right, and, and the back would see the key, and, and linebackers, whoever were there, just, you know, tag. Tag him on the shorts. Nobody ever went to the ground, and then that, that running back was taking it to the house every time. So he'd work on sticking that foot in the ground, getting his four. But I, I love the different ways they ran it. You know, they'd run it to the three-man surface, or now they'd run it with, you know, like the, the sniffer fullback or the offset fullback so he could work on seeing where the insert was going to be. It, it was just an awesome drill that they'd do for 10 minutes at start of practice. It's like you said, D-line's working on playing reach, playing their fronts, playing their stunts and pirates. And then the the running backs were seeing all of those looks and keys. Same thing with the offensive line. Nobody went to the ground. Nobody got hit. Got their work done. Bam, done. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's a drill. If you get good at it, uh, you can get more reps than than an inside uh, inside drill. And it's fast. It's repetitive. Uh, you can get different fronts. You can get different looks. You can you know have that defense coordinator behind the running back, and he just points at that outside linebacker and he's going to come this time or, you know, they're going to play, you know, uh, regular base defense and not blitz. But uh, when you uh, are an offense that that lives in a 11 personnel, you get work at going strong and you get work at going weak. And then after five or 10 minutes, you flip the tight end to the other side and you bring the, uh, you flip your, your slot receivers. So now that, those slots get work at being on the weak side. They get work at being on the strong side. <clears throat> and when you got a, a lot of running backs, uh, they uh, they get great work at it. And something that they believed in a lot at Lot and I, it was a basis around their program, is that if you're going to touch the ball, you're going to get the full speed. You're going to finish your run. Uh, so those guys will get their sprint work in just in that drill alone. Those those uh running backs will get their conditioning in. What do you guys do on the backside of outside zone coach? Are you guys cutting on the backside or are you full scooping? Uh, you know, I believe more in, in just full scoop. Uh, we have a rule that we're never going to touch a backside alignment. Uh, maybe a center might touch a backside shade, but he's just going to pop and go running stop sign. 
but a backside guard as a, a, a three technique, we are not going to touch him. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to wait on him. Uh, that that tackle, it's his job to get that thing cut off. Uh, now I'll let I'll let my guys scoop on the backside. I mean, sorry, cut on the backside. But it's not something that we work a a ton on. And actually, uh, we did start working on it a little bit more this year. Uh, and our and we had a kid that really liked to cut on the backside. And and I don't mind it. I just kind of have the philosophy of if you have to cut, you're maybe not maybe not good enough to get the job done. And I need to get away from that uh, that mindset because I, I can def- definitely tell when cutting is definitely needed and and and, uh, and valued. Um, but uh, we did a little bit more of it this year. Uh, there were some years at Lawton High where. We, we never cut. We didn't work on it, uh, and and our kids, you know, were good enough to get the scoop without having to cut. Um, but, yeah, I don't mind cutting. Uh, I would rather work the scoop work. Uh, we definitely never cut our own guys in practice. Where we are going to get our cut work is just uh, putting a pad on the ground and holding the pad. Um, but we got in a lot of trouble this year with some referees that, just don't really felt like they understood the rule. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously in, a, in Arkansas and Oklahoma can't can't cut downfield, but you know if you're right there on the line of scrimmage and you cut immediately, that's legal. And we were doing that a few times this year, and and we got calls on it, and uh, so we kind of got away from it. You know, I didn't want to, in, any of that to happen. But again, if I got a kid that is just getting his butt kicked, yeah, I don't mind if he cuts. Uh, but uh, how do you guys teach the cut? Because I like to throw on the second step. Uh, I definitely don't like to just fall to the ground, and I don't like to fall to the ground and and roll. I'd rather get the first step down, get the second step, and throw through the place I need. But I've heard different guys teach it different ways. See, I would almost rather throw off of three steps, but I don't think we can really legally do that in Oklahoma. Uh, so, so I teach it off of two. And like you're saying, um, on almost every cut that we've had that is unsuccessful, it's because we either only get one step in or we don't even get a step in. For whatever reason, it is so difficult when you're cutting to make yourself get two steps in the ground. Um, but when, when our guys do, it's so, so successful, but there's, for whatever reason, the the big thing is like you said, either it's like to just fall down right now, or it's to maybe almost get one step in the ground. But like, if you're going to the right, uh, our guys will shove off that left foot and then they're supposed to get that second, that right foot and shove off the right foot into the cut, but they'll start before their right foot even touches their left foot will put them into the cut. And so they're actually getting further away from the guy than if they were to have just uh, lunged out from the very beginning. So I try to get them to get two steps on the ground. But I, I've gotten to a place almost like what you're talking about where there was a year we got called for it twice and both times 15-yard penalties that should not have been 15-yard penalties. I mean, no way was it was it a high-low, but they called it. And so it doesn't matter – whether they should have or not, they were calling it. And so we've gotten away from it a lot more than I would love to be able to do it because I think it slows down a D line, but um, it, it almost just scares me that uh, a ref's going to uh, wrongly call it a 15 yard penalty. Right. And if I found that you know, guys aren't confident in it and we don't work it a lot, they're going to be slow and hesitant and it's just not going to work very well for them uh, on, on outside zone. Now, where I've done it a lot, and we uh, would rep it in our shoots uh, at Lawton High every single week, at least once a week, is they ran uh, Trey under center uh, counter weak. It was a staple in the offense. Well, <clears throat> when we started playing against a lot of odd fronts and that five technique on the tight end side, we're pull, it's counter Trey, and uh, we would cut the five technique with the backside tight end. And I've had some kids that were really good at it. Uh, and that's where we would do it all the time. If he had a seven or a five on the backside, uh, we would we would cut uh, that D end. And uh, 
I really dislike my centers blocking back further than a three. So even when we had that four eye uh, or somebody that we knew was going to stun inside or, or uh, spike inside because we had an outside blitz threat, uh, I would make those tight ends, we called it the Superman cut, where they would just lay out like Superman uh, to get that job done on that backside D end. Uh, and I've had some centers come to the sideline before and they're, hold, they're doubled over. And I'm like, what's wrong? The coach, the tight end, put his helmet in my nuts. <laughs> and, uh, I've had some kids that were really great at it, but yeah, not an outside zone. I don't really teach much cut unless we have to do it. But yeah, when we were running 11 personnel under center, uh, counter tray week out of a uh, tray formation, uh, we definitely would, would do it uh, a lot with the tight end. I always loved it as a, as a change-up, you know, something you keep in your back pocket because I thought when you, when you did it all the time, now, now teams would slow play you and, and, you know, bench press it, and, and then you wouldn't have anybody blocked. So I always, you know, talk scoop, scoop, cut off, whatever you want to call it, and then, you know, some weeks pull it, all right, we're going to cut this week. Or, you know, I, I know a couple times we, we, right. we block down on guys. And, and, you know, most people, when they're getting down blocked, they're like, oh, they're not going to cut me. Well, we started doing some of that, too. Mm -hmm. I know Harper and I had done a little bit of it when we were at BA. Hmm. And, it, and it was just a just a good change-up just to let the defense know, hey, you, you're not going to play with impunity. We're, we're going to hit you down in there, and, and you're going to have to slow down a little bit. You're not just going to be able to bull rush our center. So I, I just thought it yeah. would slow the game down and force them to play it a lot more honest. Yeah, I tell my guys, we're not going to get very much work in practice at cutting, but if you're going to do it, you better get the job done. I had a, uh, when we did fold some on the backside of zone, the inside zone this year, I had a guard, uh, if he had that three technique that he was going to base on the backside and we're going to fold the tackle about five times this year, he changed it up and he, he cut that three. Yes. Uh, three technique was a little bit better player than him, so he needed a little change up. Hmm. And uh, I played a, a smaller center a few games this year. And, uh, you know, he asked in game, hey, coach, can I cut the back block? I said, well, yeah, you're getting your butt kicked. You better do something different. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, so uh, you know, I, but <laughs> one time he went to go cut the back block and he crossed face and whiffed and made the play for a three yard loss. I said, well, why don't we just, uh, just try to get as much as we can without. <laughs> I think it's a great changeup for a back block, but just like you said, for that reason, it, it always scares me. But uh, we did go into it with with the intention to be able to do that one time this year. It just didn't in one game, but uh, and we did it on the very first play of power, and I think it helped our center. It slowed that guy down uh, enough. You know, we we told him not to do it every play and 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 all that, but to do it enough times or once even that'll at least make him think about it. Yeah, I feel like if you get a kid that's just relying on the cut to get the job done and he's using it over and over and it may be causing, causing your gaps to get jump, junked up, uh, you know, just really got to get those kids that just use it as a change-up, really. And, I, and I, I really tell them, if we're cutting on the play side, uh, it's probably because we can't get the job done. We're getting our butt kicked. Uh, so we need to find different ways. Uh, to get it done but I don't like cutting on the play side for sure well coach coming up on an hour and, and the thing that I always like to uh to ask to end the show is is uh when you're watching another team's offensive line what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach oh the question <laughs> this <is> the one. <laughs> I love this question I, I love uh listening to you guys' show and hearing uh I've thought of this quite a bit and you know to me all the stuff that happens in the play, really important. But for me, where I can watch, maybe film, or see a team we're playing against that would make me know that they're a well-coached team is the things that happen pre-snap, like the, uh, the tempo of their offensive line, if they're a tempo team, or if they're a huddle team, how fast they break out and get set. Uh, very important to me uh, is the splits and the depth pre-snap I mean they can make or break a play so if I see a team that is getting depth off the ball and using their splits to help the play changing them around uh, I know that they're well coached um, 
and and uh, the communication that you can tell free snap happening uh, down the line. Uh, are they? Can you tell that they're changing um, pass protections based on the blitz that's coming? So <clears throat> I I really think highly of teams that I can tell what are they doing pre-snap to give them the opportunity to win. You know, it's really important to have nasty finish and to have a, a team that looks in unison, has great zone steps. Uh, that's all important. Uh, but just the pre-snap stuff of getting lined up quick, having splits in depth, telling, knowing, seeing that you can tell that they are uh, communicating across the line. And when you see a, a, a group that you say, they just changed that pass protection uh, without the quarterback's help based on what the tackle saw and he told the center, I think that's, uh, that's huge. And you can tell they're a well-coached offensive line. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.